0: To understand what's going on, you, you need to bring the logs from each of those environments together to be able to get a, a holistic picture. Uh, and that's the key to, to log unification is to gather that information together to, to a, a position where you can see what is going on end to end in your solution.
1: From Toro Cloud, this is the Coding Over Cocktails podcast, a free pool of thoughts ideas, and advice from IT experts, innovators, and thought leaders, exploring the world of digital transformation, APIs, microservices, cloud adoption, and more. Welcome to episode 69 of the Coding Over Cocktails podcast. My name is Kevin Montalvo. Joining us is TorCloud CEO and founder, David Brown. Good day, David. Hi, Kevin. All right, our guest for today has spent over 25 years in the software industry with a breadth of experience in different businesses and environments, from multinationals to software startups and user businesses to consultancies working with UK and internationally known brands and organizations. He is the author of Logging in Action with FluentD, Kubernetes, and more, which teaches readers how to record and analyze application and infrastructure data using FluentD. We'll talk about that book today, and if you stick around until the end of the show, you learn how you can get a copy for yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us for a round of cocktails is Phil Wilkins. Hey, Phil, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good, uh, good day to everybody. All right. Good day. So, um, let's begin. Systems have been producing logs for decades. What is and what has caused the emergence of unified logging?
0: So logging has always been around, but what we've seen over probably the last 20 years is systems becoming more and more distributed in their construction. It used to be we'd run a couple of servers in parallel, maybe in an active-active or active-standby combination, so we'd need to bring the logs together. But uh, as virtualization was introduced, we saw that uh, extend even further. And then in the last five to 10 years, containerization has driven that uh, even further and particularly microservices so now you've got one application might be spread across multiple environments and to understand what's going on you you need to bring the logs from each of those environments together to be able to get a a holistic picture Uh, and that's the key to to log unification is to gather that information together to to a a position where you can see what is going on end-to-end in your solution.
2: And and is that, like, when you talk about servers running in parallel or a distributed system or a cluster of servers and unifying the logs across those, is it unifying the logs across the same application servers? or it also across tiers of the application, unifying the logs across, across the network tier, the database tier, the application tier? Is, is that what unified logging is about as well?
0: Yes. So, so many people are on a journey of, of varying levels of maturity, and what you've described is almost like the, path of maturity for for, uh, log unification. To start with, just get your app servers talking, you know, that's probably the easiest but your infra guys are going to be wanting to also look at what you're doing and uh, what's happening on the server infrastructure. Your DBAs are going to want to know how hard you're pushing their database. So if they see database performance issues, it's like, well, is that something that's happening in my database or you use a uh, consumer saturating me with requests? Uh, and the more you can bring that information together, the better your understanding is of, of your landscape. Yeah. We as an application or server however does not operate in isolation. Yes,
2: of course. Uh, so what is the difference between log analytics and unified log?
0: So log analytics, uh, like most analytical processes, is about processing a volume of data, analyzing, looking for trends quite often, and patterns in, in the data, whether that's a log entry or yeah, transactional records. The log unification is about getting the logs together. So all these independent components that are contributing to the to sum total Of your environment and solution, you need to get those together and bring that data into a single place to be analyzed. Now, one of the tricks with with more contemporary unification tools is that rather than just grabbing the data, putting it into a big pot to be later analyzed, is you can start to do some event based processing Uh, and uh, it enables you to be a lot more reactive now. So rather than waiting an hour for the next uh, analytical run to happen, perhaps on your environment, uh, uh, the unification tool can go, Ah, oh, that's a, a, an exception, and I've been given some uh, routing rules to say this exception is particularly important. I'm going to go and uh, ping Joe Bloggs, tell him that that exception has happened now.
2: Yes. I'm glad you brought up the tooling because your, your book talks extensively about FluentD, which is the, an extensible open source framework for data collection, the filters and routes logs for their consumption. When I, when you, when you look at a diagram of FluentD and how it routes logs from the source, uh, to their destinations, it looks kind of like a, a middleware ESB type tool. Uh, and, but it's specifically designed for uh, log analytics. And you mentioned some of the, perp- you know, it can do more than just routing of logs. It can actually do some event-based processing as well. So, can you just run us through how FluentD can help with this unified logging?
0: Sure. So uh, the, first, the first thing in being able to unify your logs is to be able to gather the, the, the log content up from a vast pool of uh, resources. That could be uh, your system logs, uh, SNMP traps in your infrastructure, through to many, many different types of uh, application logging formats. We're in the world of polyglot now. So your end-to-end enterprise might be running the combination of .NET solutions and Java and Node, and the list goes on. And they don't all work in the same log formats. Being able to cope with that's important. And then, yeah, once you've started to ingest those, you need to do a number of things. One, you've got to decide whether the log event is of help or of use. Uh, sometimes, uh, particularly with more brittle solutions, you know, You may be deployed and everything's running smoothly, but there are debug logs being put into your logging, and people uh, become nervous of any change. So rather than go and change in that system if it's running and it's log configurations or even in the code to change the log thresholds, it's easier to say, okay, we'll we'll put rules in to filter that out into the unification process, so we don't take it any further where we've grabbed it from Uh, and you're not polluting uh, your aggregated views of all the logs with any undue noise. Uh, So you can do that. You can uh, route it to different uh, systems as well. In large organizations you'll get specialist teams that are dealing with uh, monitoring of your solution. Traditionally, your sysadmins will work with tools like Nagios that are focused on more the infrastructure Uh, Other tools will be uh, more focused on application logs. If you feed into Logzio and things like that, you're more uh, oriented towards supporting the app dev and the app ops teams. And they want a different set. They're not, they're less interested in the minute of what's happening on the server, unless it's significant and, and want to know more about what's happening at the application and uh, the database layer in terms of how their SQL is performing and what SQL is being executed. So you can start to root out to the different tools, the right events rather than saying, okay, Everybody's got to use this one tool that's uh, enterprise-wide. Edict that shall only use this. So you can start to think about your yeah, best of breed, if you want. So that's that's one of the one of the key use cases. The one that I like to to show to get people thinking about it is more the the social alerting, if you like, or the collaborative uh, mechanisms where you can tease out uh, specific events which are uh, forewarners of a something significant you can then uh, filter that out when they occur and send a signal to someone say that i've had a, a, a um, an event i've recognized as being a warning to a bigger problem but if you get in there quick because uh you know say five minutes before things go belly up you can get in there and prevent it rather than cure it which is a lot more useful
2: Interesting. And if I'm guessing, I'm just thinking about how we get the data into FluentD in, in the first place. So I imagine with popular frameworks, there are connectors or pre-built for FluentD to ingest the logs from popular systems. What if my system is not available as an out-of-the-box connector? What do I need to do to prepare my data so that can be consumed by Fluentd?
0: So the the, the simplest and the most common approach to, to that sort of thing is is to just let your application, log as it does, you know, typically that's a, a file, or a rotating file. Uh, sometimes people will write to database, and what you can do is is rather well than point uh, connect your application directly to Fluentd through uh, you know an append in your logging framework, uh, which is the more optimal route, you can set FluentD up to say, right, I'm going to trail that file or going to go every minute and grab the latest entries in that database. When you're developing, uh, if you're working with a Linux environment, you'll be familiar with the idea of uh, tail minus F, where you're just uh, literally watching the end of a log file as events go through. Well, FluentD has got some fairly sophisticated uh, connectors that are able to do that for you, and it, therefore it's hovering up the events as they go, and that way you, you you make no invasive change on the application, which is ideal for, for those sensitive, brittle use cases those legacy systems that everybody's terrified of touching but are so critical to your business that yeah, the sooner you know that things are, are going to ride, the better.
2: And is, is it a client server? Is there an agent running on my server, FluentD agent, which is collecting and sending those logs to a FluentD server, or am I uh, streaming the logs to a server? So you
0: can, you can set it up, and this is the beauty of FluentD because it's had to deal with particularly the world of microservices iot you can deploy it uh, as a central solution and you can either stream to it which you can receive the streams or if your network will allow it it can reach out and connect but the more common model is to put agents use fluent data in its agent model uh, and uh, you deploy it closely to the application and in micro in the world of micro Services you can see this uh, happen in a, a, a number of ways. You can deploy uh, Fluentd as a sidecar using that kind of deployment pattern. Uh, if you're using uh, a service mesh, then uh, there's an element of Fluentd uh, engaged with through uh, Istio, for example. But even on your legacy environments, you can put a small footprint uh, agent uh, Fluentd node uh, in with your server right next to it and run it as a, a parallel process because it's such a small footprint. Uh, and there is a version of, of FluentD, uh, um, I call it like the little brother, because it uses it's, it's, it's the same, exact same principles, but it's stripped back and its kernel is written in C, called uh, FluentBit. The Fluent bit has got such a small footprint, it is very easy to actually deploy into Internet of Things devices. And it, it's designed to, rather than doing any of that processing, uh, filtering, it's designed to just grab and forward. Uh, so it is a true agent in that sense. Fluent D can act as the server as well as an agent.
2: You also wrote that log processing is only as good as the logs that are generated. That's a quote from your book. Sounds like the old adage of garbage in, garbage out. So how do we generate better log data?
0: Yes, uh, you couldn't summarise it better to call it garbage in, garbage out. If you're uh, writing logs and just treating them uh, as quick hacks to to help you debug and do local testing then your logs are going to be difficult to understand if not meaningless a year two years five years down the line uh, when you're no longer involved with it and you know the messages you've put in there are, are a bit unique to your understanding so so the best thing you can do whether you're writing to a file or using fluentd uh, or something else even is to think about the the content that you're putting into the message uh, and make sure that it's meaningful but data aware. Uh, if you're dealing with a financial system, just dumping the entire transaction could create you some real headaches because you could be writing sensitive data into the log. So you know you you have to start thinking about logging, almost as important as your transaction itself that you're processing. And the more semantically meaningful and, and the more uh, insight that you offer into that log, the better. So pumping out the key. Uh, variables into a log entry that affect uh, how your application is behaving is always going to make your logs more useful and trying to show or provide it in a structured manner will mean that it's going to be an awful lot easier to start expressing these rules uh, um, whether that's in the unification layer uh, uh, of FluentD or even downstream when you start to do log analytics if you understand the structure of the data being logged uh, it's an awful lot easier to tease out me meaningful assets and and tease out activity. Makes sense.
2: What's the difference between an audit event and a log event?
0: So the... Uh, very much uh, the same thing. Um, An audit event uh, differentiates itself normally by the fact that it's going to be used beyond just understanding operational state and application behavior insofar as you can record audit events through your logging framework as well. They're there to not only perhaps help you understand your application and what it's up to, but you will use it to support uh, evidence of compliance and Things like that or, or dealing with security things. So who's signed in, in and out, when, for example, you can characterize as an audit event, just that someone's logged in or, or uh, has, uh, the login logic is running. That's more of a just a, a log, traditional uh, event log, uh, because you can't tease out the, the meaning from it. Uh, so, so the audit's very much to be able to trail and, uh, and show what people are doing and what's happening in your system. So if someone comes and says they think there's a data leak, you can go to your audit trails and go, okay, this is what actually went on and I can account to uh, uh, governance bodies uh, that my system is running true and correct.
2: Why is it important to distinguish between audit events and log events? Is, is it, are we treating them set differently in terms of uh, unified logging?
0: In the short term, you're probably not going to treat them that differently. But the, the, the key difference is uh, because audit is supporting compliance, you're likely to have rules about how long you record that information from. And you might need to store it slightly separately so it's easier to pull it out to present it if you have to show evidence of compliance activities.
2: You've devoted a section to your book uh, about achieving clear language, which was succeeded by a human and, and machine readable. What are, can you expound on the importance of these factors? Clear language and human and machine readable?
0: Yeah, uh, we've all, uh, all developers have probably done it at some time or another, got really bored of writing log entries and put something funny in there. Yeah, you know, it's going to throw uh, an exception. So I put Geronimo in there or something <laughs> like that, just to lighten the process, because it, it can get tedious if you're having to write lots of very dry log entries. But, you know, if, if you uh, if you do that and leave that there, that really doesn't tell anybody anything meaningful when it's not you. You I will know what it means because I wrote it and know where to go looking for it and perhaps it might reflect a particular exception that was annoying me during testing. But... An ops team, uh, which you're not, you know, even in a de- DevOps environment, uh, where the developer is involved in the operations, sooner or later, you're going to move on to a new project or a new product. Uh, and someone's got to keep your solution alive. See, so, yeah, the more meaningful, the more easier it is to understand that uh, statement for, in the eyes of another person, the better it's going to be. Uh, so we need to think about that. Uh, and therefore we, we do need to be aware of our semantics and our technical language. If if you're going to use specific terms, uh, that's great because it helps understanding the meaning because in the language of, of accounting, you know a particular type of transaction. You call it that transaction, but make sure that there is a, a dictionary of terms, if you like. And you can add more meaning when, when you're dealing particularly with error scenarios by using things like unique uh, error codes, uh, and that allows you to then attach more far more cons- comprehensive information explaining what the causes of this error can be, what the remediation. So you are giving more meaning again. Well, you said, oh, I've got, a, I've caught an exception. Here's the stack trace move along. So, so adding that detail is really helpful. Then in terms of making it machine readable as well, this comes back to the workload involved in processing it. If you make it easier to process uh, the log events, so give it structure, then the easier it is to either uh, in the event stream uh, make it actionable so if I get an event with this attribute which has a particular value that's a lot easier than trying to run a regex across a uh, yeah a stream of consciousness text to tease out and say actually I need to tell someone now about this than well, just uh, send it to the uh, log, log analytics platform or route it uh, account of uh, this type of event in the last 30 seconds into Prometheus
2: in that regard, what are you suggesting, like a JSON format or an XML or, or simple CSV as is is so long as it's machine readable?
0: Uh, yeah, it's all down to the culture of the organization. Some are better than others. JSON is better than XML because it's less uh, verbose, uh, but still carries the readable meaning. CSVs. If you're doing that, at least you can see each of the values, but you put more cognitive workload on the the consumer that's looking at it because you've got to know what each column is in a CSV. Uh, You you really don't want to repeat the header every time you write a a CSV row. You can do, but uh, it just is harder to read.
2: And Fluentd is dealing natively in JSON format,
0: right? Internally, it uh, processes everything as JSON. So every log event will get a very basic JSON uh, event structure applied to it, uh, even if you're only sending it text because what it does is it takes the log event and treats that as uh, uh, an, uh, an element called a uh, message and it will attach uh, a timestamp to it uh, and you can link other metadata to, to that as well. Of course, then in FluentD, you can start uh, doing things like uh, uh, examining the payload in your uh, configuration then because it's able to interpret JSON very easily. Right.
2: Well, we've talked about clear language, achieving clear language. What about context? So can you explain? How? Uh, what is the context of logging?
0: So the context is, uh, is all about really trying to facilitate the person looking at the log uh, and understanding in what conditions did it occur. When we have errors, you really need to, to di- uh, help you diagnose things. You need to know what's going on around it. It's, you know, imagine yourself in a forest, but you can't see. You hear a loud thump. Now, is that a tree falling? Or is that a a wild animal uh, running around in the forest that's about to uh, steamroller you? If you give more context, uh, the better you're able to understand that problem or the the situation you're in and therefore what to do. You hear that, that tree go down. Well, if you can also feel the, uh, the wind blowing against your face really strongly, you know, you, you've probably got a storm and that might be just a tree falling over because it's been blown down. Well, it's not great unless it happens right next to you, not a problem. But if that thump is uh, sounding more like flesh against something hard, probably going to want to go run somewhere. Or try because that could be a bear coming for you yeah you know, in that in that in that forest and what i'm trying to say is, is the more information you can associate with the event uh when you record it the easier it is to diagnose and determine that path action so if you were throwing a you know if we take that to a, a database connection issue being thrown you know, what's the url uri sorry of, of that database so is it a particular database that's causing the problems. Uh, And that helps not only in the short term, but also in the log analytics phase. Okay, is it the same database that seems to periodically throw a wobbly uh, and cause me a connection issue? Or is it the same server that's causing me a problem because actually it's developing a fault, uh, but it's intermittent?
2: It's interesting, like there's so much value in what you're saying. And Do you find that logging and this attention to logging, the language, the machine-readable formats, the context, is logging getting as much love as it should in the developer community?
1: Uh,
0: To be honest, I I think we can always do better. We're always under pressure to, to deliver and get things out the door so we tend to write logging when we're thinking about and trying working on testing our own application so we tend to think about it from the viewpoint of what do i need now rather than looking at the application and going, well it's, this code could be alive in 10 years what you know i don't want to um, have someone asking me about code i wrote years and years ago if i'm still in the same organization or worse uh, something's gone wrong in the middle of the night uh, and uh the uh, first tier of support uh, have just got me out of bed at two in the morning after i've been out and had my cocktails and they're asking me what does this log message mean because they're trying to figure out how to get an application back on its feet uh, and they got uh, yeah, management screaming at them that a major system is down and they lose it that business is losing revenue so uh yeah the the more you do to to your logs to make it easier for for people to deal with those situations and and most importantly the unexpected because that's you know we write code to deal and deal with the expected conditions it's the, the unexpected ones that are always the, the issue the more we do to help ourselves and think about those the better our lives are going to be
2: And your book talks extensively about FluentD or references FluentD as a tool set for unified logging, but the book itself goes into the principles of logging, obviously, in great detail as well. Is FluentD the only game in town, or are there other solutions?
0: No, there there are quite a lot of solutions out there. Log unification is a newer idea, so there are a smaller set of products out there for it, but uh, probably the biggest one that lines up with FluentD that people have heard of is Logstash through this, this, uh, um, spring, uh, sorry, the Elastic Organization, uh, and is part of the, the, uh, well-known ElkStack. And you can swap the, uh, uh, Logstash for, for, Fluent FluentD and it becomes the ElkStack Stack or EFK so there are options out there in that direction uh, you can go to the more uh, classic aggregation model and log analytics there are plenty of well known products that do that splunk is probably one of the best known commercial ones which again has this agent model uh, with the ability to interpret and grab a, a lot of different data sources but the difference the key difference is, is it tends to work on the basis of pump it back to the uh, splunk core data Storage and process things there.
2: What about the public cloud providers? What are they doing in this space?
0: So they're interesting for uh, the hyperscalers, Google, uh, AWS. I- I'm not so familiar with uh, Azure, Oracle. they they all have actually built support or actually leverage big chunks of the fluent D tool set uh, under the hood. Uh, Oracle, for example, uh, actually use a, a, a lot of it. Uh, and uh, can ingest FluentD events. So uh, they give you endpoint in your account, and you can fire your events straight at it, as if you're talking to a, a FluentD node, uh, which makes life really easy. Uh, GCP actually was one of the first to start uh, adopting the FluentD framework and, and building it into part of their log frame, logging mechanisms on their cloud-native platform. So so it's quite conversant with, with uh, FluentD as well. And a lot of these providers are... Offering, you know, means to consume FluentD events. Some of them also allow you to actually pull out of their environment, uh, using FluentD connectors log events as well, uh, which makes uh, life really easy. So if you're using a PaaS or a SaaS service uh, where you can't get in at the monitoring uh, that's going on, you might be able to pick up some of the behavioral information through uh, actually going and examining its uh, log collection using FluentD and pump it into whatever system that you want to use. And that's really useful when you're getting into a, um, a multi-cloud or a hybrid use case
2: really interesting stuff. The book is called Logging in Action published by Manning. Uh Phil, how can uh, our listeners stay in touch with what you're writing about? Do you use particular social media channels or a blogging platform?
0: Yeah, so I'm on on WordPress uh and I uh blog uh, across a number of subjects, including adding extra uh, bits, uh, tidbits, and information that support that work with the book, and I can be found on uh, two addresses: either phil at mp3monster.org. So that's my email. So it's mp3monster.org or blog.mp3monster.org. Uh, that's pretty easy to remember. The other one is uh, cloud-native.info, uh, which is uh, uh, perhaps a more meaningful one for, for most and a lot, uh, a lot less uh, esoteric, given the the content that I
1: write about a lot of the time.
2: Fantastic, Phil
1: Wilkins. Thank you very much for your time today. Well, thank you. Hey listeners, hope you had a wonderful time with that conversation. For those who stuck around, we've got a very special surprise for you. We're giving away three copies of Phil's book, Logging in Action by Manning Publications. Simply follow us on Twitter at ToroCloud, like, and retweet our contest post. Again, thanks for joining us in this podcast. Please like and subscribe, and check out our website at ToroCloud.com for a transcript of this episode and show notes. On behalf of the team here at ToroCloud, thank you very much for listening to us today. This has been Kevin Montalbo for Coding Over cocktails. Cheers.